Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Deborah Cobray. The title of this message is The Christmas Wrap, I believe. What did I name this thing? You know, Jim, a Christmas wrap-up. There you go. My husband had the greatest titles for his messages. I could never get a good title, ever. So that's as good as it's going to get, a Christmas wrap-up. And that's exactly what I want to do, is I want to wrap this up, because... From Genesis to X, oh, there's my Kleenex. See, I'm going to be dropping Kleenex now all around. I was born with the Kleenex in my hand. All around. And so, oh, I forgot to welcome our online audience. Hello. I hope you're watching. <laughs> this is all new to me. <laughs> anyway, glad you're with us. And um, this is what happens when you get old women in the pulpit. God, you just never know. What the heck? I need to get serious. I just want to play with you. It's been a year. Let me take a moment to pray. Breathe. <laughs> Father, thank you for Christmas. Thank you for 2020. Thank you that you showed us things that we weren't sure we wanted to see. Thank you that you gave us clear vision on where we're at, where we're going, and what you're about. And you are faithful. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just use me tonight. I am your tent, your dwelling place. I yield this tent to you. Speak through my heart. I yield my lips, my mind. May you bless your people tonight. May you grant them wisdom and revelation of the knowledge of Jesus. And may they know you, the living God, and may they see the Father. And I thank you in Jesus' name, Father. Amen and amen. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 9 through 10, is what I want to open this word with tonight. Remember the former things of old. God is speaking through Isaiah, and he says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done. Saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all of my pleasure. God is definitely on his own agenda. In Ephesians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, it tells us that God is reconciling all things to himself, things that are in heaven and things that are on the earth, visible and invisible, thrones, principalities, dominions. He is taking all things and bringing them back to him. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, more mystery is revealed when God says that Jesus Christ will reign and he must reign until all enemies are put under his feet. And then he will turn the kingdom over to the Father, that God may be all, that God may be all, that there's going to be nothing in creation visible and invisible that will not acknowledge that God is all, 
and in all. There's a complete restoration process, reconciliation process, through the redemption process that God has been doing. And none of this is a surprise to God. From Genesis to the book of Revelation, it is the testimony of Jesus Christ. For the angel told John in the book of Revelation in chapter 19 and 20, he said, for the spirit of the prophets is the testimony of Jesus. If I was God and I wanted to reveal to you who I am, and there was no way that you could see me or know me because you wouldn't be able to stand in my presence, I would send my messengers to you on a timeline, and I would tell you what is going to happen before it happens. That way, when it happens, it is written. It's been foretold before it ever happened, and it's happened exactly like God said it would happen. And that is exactly what the Father has done. He has foretold and prophesied. There are over 360 prophecies of Jesus Christ, his birth, his lineage, his life, his burial, his resurrection in the Old Testament. Now, there's a saying that the New Testament is hidden in the Old, and the Old Testament is revealed in the New. The two go hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. And God has a plan, a purpose, a timeline, and children of God, we are on time and we are in it. And God is in control. Nothing surprises him. He has ordained these times for us. And with that ordination and with that purpose in our lives, he has equipped us with the Holy Spirit and enabled us to live and to do what he needs us to do in the hour that we walk the earth, in the days that we walk the earth, so we don't have to be afraid. So what I want to say tonight is I want to give you a wrap-up. And if I was writing a book review of this series that God has written to us, I would probably say book one, God near man. Book two is coming, God with man. Book three, God in man. Book four is yet to be written. It's still being penned. He's coming. So if I could say this succinctly and briefly, and I don't want to take something that is vast and make it so simple, but for the sake of time and for the sake of book review, I'm going to. The Bible from Genesis to Revelation is the story of man, Jesus, and God. It is the history of the earth and of creation. It also is the story of how completely lost we were and how completely saved God has made us because he was unwilling to leave us in a fallen state. So there's three things. Book one, God near man. Book two, God with man, Emmanuel. Book three, God in man, the resurrection. So if I'm going to wrap up, we're going to look at God near God with and God in. And what does this mean to our Christmas in 2020? Now, it's going to go fast. Are you ready? Here we go. 
God near man. All right, let's go back to the beginning. Genesis 3.15 is our first messianic. Messianic means that there is one coming. An anointed one is coming because something has happened. So in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, after Adam and Eve have eaten of the tree of the, of the knowledge of good and evil, they have sinned, they have died, and God is now talking to them and describing to them the consequences of what has happened. Now, when I say they have died, what do I mean? God said to Adam and Eve, do not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. We know the story. We know what happened, that Satan came. He tempted Eve, and he said, you're not going to die. You're just going to be wise like God. You're going to know what's good and what's evil. And he doesn't want you to be like him. Well, that was a lie and a deception because she already knew what was right and wrong because she was fused. She was completely joined. There was no break or breach or sin in Adam or in Eve, and God walked with them in the coolness of the day. All of creation in that garden was in perfect harmony. There was no sin, sickness, or disease. They had fellowship with each other. They had fellowship with creation. They had fellowship with God. And when Eve partook of that fruit, and she gave it to Adam, who was with her, and he partook of it, it broke, and it unraveled everything. Now, the universe already had evil going, because sin did not start on this planet. It originated in heaven. Lucifer, the light star of the morning, became Satan because he had free will, and he said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend into the side of the north. I will have what God has, but I don't want God in it. It's called pride, independent, selfish desires. I want what God has apart from God, and he sinned, and he was cast out of heaven. Are you with me? That began this whole thing. God creates earth. He creates man in his image. He puts him in a perfect place. He says there's a tree of life. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did he do that? Because God has given man something called free will. What does that mean, free will? It means that you have a choice to either do what God says or do what you say. It's your choice. If you don't have a choice, you are not free, you are enslaved. Are you with me? I know this is theology, but we're going fast. So Satan tempted Eve, she partook. Four things were broken when that happened instantaneously, just like God said. Death, by the way, is not a ceasing to exist, it is separation. When you die, you do not cease to exist. And when God says in the day that you eat of it, you surely die, even though Satan said you will not die, Instantly, Adam and Eve were separated. Instantly, their eyes were open. They knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves. They hid themselves from the presence of God. And Adam answers God and says, I was afraid of you. So there's a separation from God. Four things broken at the fall. Adam and God were broken in their relationship. Sin separated man from God. Adam hid. Adam tried to cover himself. Second thing, Adam's identity was broken. He no longer knew who he was. He had identity with the Father. He had identity with the Son. He had identity with the Holy Spirit. He had identity with creation. He was in perfect harmony, fused. God was all and in all of Adam. Are you with me? So 
Adam broke his relationship with God through sin, separated. Adam broke his relationship with himself, identity. Mankind has been searching for identity since the fall. It is not our tribes. It is not our gender. It is not our talents or our giftings. We are made in the image of Almighty God. You are bone of his bone and flesh of his flesh. He has breathed into you the breath of life, and your identity can only be found in him and in him alone. Adam's identity was broken with Eve. Relationships were broken. He said, Father, God, this is why it happened. It is the woman you gave me. An accusation came up in the heart of this couple. And where God was the center of their lives before the fall, there was now something that suddenly ruled and reigned in them, and it was called self. And self now took the throne of Adam's heart. And relationships were broken. The first family had the first murder. The first son, Cain, killed the second son, Abel. And man has been broken in relationships ever since. And there will be no hope and there will be no peace. And there is not one sitting in the White House that can ever be or on any throne on this planet in any government that will bring peace to this planet. There is only one king that will bring peace to the earth. His name is Jesus and he is the Prince of Peace. Adam broke with God. Adam broke with himself. Adam broke with, with relationships. Adam broke, fourth thing, with creation. Now the planet was broken. Creation was hurled into degenerate life, and the food chain started. Animals died. Fear came to rule and reign, and Satan was handed the title deed of earth, and his kingdom, the kingdom of darkness, is now ruled by the economics of fear whereby God had called us and rules his kingdom in the economics of faith. Are you with me? So this thing that happened, God knew was going to happen because it says that Jesus was slain before the foundations of the world. So this wasn't something that wasn't supposed to happen. This was something that God knew was going to happen when he made this couple. But God was not willing to abandon us. He loved Adam and Eve. He loved his humanity. He loved his creation. His problem was now there was separation because of free will. They chose. Now what is he going to do? Well, it wasn't something he had to cook up. It was already determined and it was already brought forth that before the foundations of the world, God would bring forth his son. The word would become flesh. He's only begotten. So I'm getting ahead of myself. So God near man. Let's look at it for just a minute. So he gives Eve a promise. First messianic promise. Genesis 3.15. He says, and I will put enmity, I'll put warfare, strife and war between you, he's speaking to the serpent, and the woman. And between your seed, Satan, and her seed. He, speaking of the seed of the woman, shall bruise your head. Head means government and headship and rulership. The one that is coming from the seed of the woman, Satan, is going to crush your head, and you are going to bruise his heel. That began the first of the mystery of the glory of God that he has, has brought forth in God near God, with and God in man. 
And God was showing us at the very beginning, there's one coming. There's one coming. There's one coming. He's going to restore. He's going to bring back. He's going to make new. He's going to reconcile heaven and earth and the visible and the invisible. And God will be all and he will be in all. And he's doing it through the one that will come. God was not willing for man to not be near him. But man couldn't be too near God because God is holy. That is something you and I don't really understand. I don't, not to the fullness of its, of its word. But because of disobedience and sin, separation came, and God said, I've, I'm going to be near you. I'm not leaving you. And so he brought forth the history. He brought forth, my goodness, we can go through all of it. We don't have time, doesn't permit, of the two strains of man, Seth and Cain's seed, of the flood, of the Tower of Babel, and how God confounded the languages because he said anything that they imagine because they've been made in my image, they'll be able to do if they're in agreement. He confused the tribes and scattered them throughout the earth. The flood came, wiped everything out. God put a restart and a reset, and out of Noah's seed, out of the three sons came the earth's population. And God says, I'm going to be near man. And so out of one of Noah's seed came forth a man, and his name was Abraham. He had, a, he had a sister, his wife. Her name was Sarai, Sarah. God says, I'm going to use one man, a man of faith, and he'll be tested. He'll be tried. I'll see if he's obedient, but I'll give him seed as the, as the stars in the sky. And we read of Abraham and Sarah and the child that they had. They had two Ishmael of the flesh. Because she couldn't bear. Sarah was barren. But God says, it's not going to be your natural ability that's going to bring in the seed of the woman. It's going to be my supernatural plan that's going to bring in this forth. I, can, I love Ishmael, but he cannot be of my seed that's coming forth, the promised one. This will be Isaac. And he will be supernatural. Because when you cannot have him, you will have him. And so God brings forth out of Abram, Abraham, and he brings a covenant, and he brings a family. And out of the family, Jacob had 12 sons. Out of the 12 sons, there was 12 tribes. And out of the 12 tribes came Moses, and they took the exodus out of Egypt. And you know the story, and God gave Israel, his people, he gave them his divine law, and he gave him the priesthood, and he gave him the sacrifice so that man could be near God. But the priest could only go into the Holy of Holies once a year because of sin. So there was a curtain that separated man from God. Man was near God, but man wasn't with God because there was one promised. One was coming. So the prophets of old, they begin to prophesy. They begin to foretell. And we found out that Judah said, out of Judah shall the king come, the one coming promised. Moses says, he will be from among you. He will be just like you. He's coming and you won't even know because he's going to look like you. But you better listen to him because if you don't, you'll be cut off. Balaam, the wayward prophet, he prophesied.
prophesied the star that the heavens would declare the glory of God. And I see him, but not yet. But behold, there is a star rising out of Jacob. He prophesied the star. Balaam, the wayward prophet, prophesied that out of Egypt shall my son be called, that he would have to go into Egypt and that God would deliver him out of Egypt in the Nazareth prophecy. Remember I told you if I wanted you to know I was real? I'd tell you the story before it happened. Well, that's what they did. God can use a jackass. God can use a prophet that's wrong. God can speak how he wants to speak, but he cannot lie. From Balaam, we found out that Nathan the prophet told David, you want to build God a house? You cannot. There's too much blood on your hands. But God's going to build you a house, David. And your house will be everlasting. And your throne will be from glory to glory. And out of your seed, the one will come who will sit upon your throne. He will come out of the line of David. Isaiah prophesied. He gave us more of the story. He said, out of a virgin shall come forth a king. And his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. Micah prophesied and said, Israel, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though it is the smallest in all of Israel, yet out of Bethlehem, the city of David, shall come forth he whose goings forth are from everlasting. And Micah told us where he would be born. Oh, church, it goes on and on and on. God near man. So book two comes now. Probably from Adam to Jesus, his birth. They estimate 4,000 years. From Abraham to Jesus is 2,000. Two millenniums. They've been waiting. They've been watching. They've been wanting. Israel is now under a heavy burden. Rome has now come forth. That society that was in Nebuchadnezzar's dream that out of Rome, the legs of iron, it would crush everything, but it would bring everything together. And out of Rome, in the worst of all governments, would come forth the promise. So we fast forward 400 years between the last book of the Old Testament and the first book of the New. 400, they called them the silent years. And all of a sudden, Luke tells us of the angel activity. Matthew starts off his book with the genealogies. And we know that the angel came to Mary and said, Hail Mary, highly favored, the Lord is with you. Just preached a, a wonderful word on Mary. And Mary and Elizabeth and Zacharias and, and the whole community. And, and my goodness, Pastor Dan preached an incredible message on Bethlehem and the tragedy and so many other things. All of the pastors here at The Rock have preached amazing words of God. I don't want to go into those. I just want to say one thing. He was here. God with us. He'd finally come. The promise was here. It had come. Not a lot knew about it. Very few knew about it. My goodness. Matthew 1.23 says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and be with child and bear a son, and you will call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God 
with us. Echoing what Isaiah 7:14 said, therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Here comes the promise. The seed of the woman. It had never been done. Mary, you're going to have a son. I'm a virgin. How can this be? The Holy One, the Spirit of God will rest upon you. And that which is conceived in your womb will be called the only begotten of the Father, the Son of God. And Mary, you are going to bring forth the promise. You're going to bring forth the seed of the woman that will crush the head of the serpent and begin the restoration process and bring us closer to where God wants this planet and this universe to go. But it was important, and this is where they didn't get it. God with us. What does that mean? Well, God was near us in the Old Testament, the sacrifices, but there was a veil that separated us. Only the blood of bull and goats could take us so far in to his presence. But now God says, the one that has come, he's going to change all that. He's going to become the kinsman redeemer. What's that? Well, in the law, God has set forth the law of the kinsman redeemer. He wrote a whole book about it. It's called the book of Ruth. That if you lose something, you've lost your inheritance because of something you've done, wrong choices or wrong circumstances, a blood relative, and it must be a close blood relative, if he has the resources and if he's willing, can redeem and buy back what you have lost and give it back to you. It was called the law of the kinsman redeemer. Now, God, just didn't, God doesn't just say things to say things. God has this plan that he's working. That's why salvation is of the Jews. They were given the law and the prophets. Are you with me? So in the law and the prophets of the Old Testament is the mystery and the picture of Jesus. As a matter of fact, the goings forth of Jesus in the Old Testament are what we call the theophanies, appearances of God. No one can see God. Moses couldn't even see God. You can't even be in his presence. You'd be dissolved because of sin. But Jesus was in that burning bush. He says, I am that I am. He was with Abraham when he called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees. He is the pre-incarnate. Before he became flesh, he is the word of God. And it said, and the word of the Lord came unto Abraham. Mysteries, but they're right in our sight. So here comes this baby. Born in Bethlehem, born in a manger, as Dan preached on Sunday. And this child was destined for the rising and falling of many in Israel and the world, according to Simeon. And this child would grow up, and this child would become and be the representative, the second Adam 1 Corinthians 15 tells us that as Adam was a prototype of all of humanity and fell, God himself would by himself bring forth a new prototype of a new creation by becoming flesh. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. This baby 
This baby that wrapped himself and veiled himself in flesh. As Moses said, he's going to come from among you. He's going to look like you. You're not even going to know who he is, but you better listen to him. Because he's going to look like everybody else. He's going to look like your next door neighbor. He's going to look common. He's not going to be in a king's throne. He's not going to be in a wealthy position like Dan preached on Sunday. Listen to that message. But he's going to be the last Adam because he's God wrapped in flesh. And this baby will grow up. And this baby will wear one crown and one crown only on this side of earth. And it was the crown of thorns. And on that cross, he will break the curse of Adam over this planet through disobedience and sin. God with us. God with us. God with us. No one could see God. No one knew who God was. They could only write about him through the prophets and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. They could only be near him, but they couldn't be with him. Now suddenly God in the flesh is with man. He walks with us. He talks with us. He demonstrates the kingdom of God. He says, I'm going to show you what you're really supposed to be like. I'm going to show you who the Father is because if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I am the express image of his person. I am the brightness of his glory. We are one. He's in me and I'm in him. And God with us, Emmanuel, began to teach us a new way, began to show us a new way of thinking, began to give us the kingdom of God and show us that what we think is right on earth because it's broken and skewed and wrong. It's all wrong. He said, oh, children, let me bring you the light. Let me show you what you're supposed to be and what life can really be like. And with God, nothing is impossible if you believe. God with us. God with us. And Jesus said to his disciples, oh, it's better. It's so much better for you if I go. Because if I don't go, I cannot send the Holy Spirit to you. And he will lead you. He will guide you. He will teach you. And he will bring you into all truth. John 14, 16 through 8. You see, he's setting us up. God near us. God with us. But God wasn't happy with that. He wasn't content with that. He wanted to be in us. He wanted us. He wanted to consume us and us consume him. That he would be all in us and we would be all in him. That's what he's doing in the universe, but he would do it with the new creation first. In John chapter 14, church, Jesus said to his disciples, and I will pray the Father, he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. He dwells with you before the cross, talking to his disciples. He dwells with you, but he will be in you. Here comes the cross. Here comes the crown. Can I just have a picture of that crown? It just amazed me that, you know, God did not curse Adam and Eve at the fall. He cursed two things. He cursed Satan, the snake. He said, on your belly you're going to crawl. So what does that mean? He didn't crawl before. Well, I found flying, spiry serpents in the book of Isaiah. Dragons. 
Whoa. Think about that one. He cursed the snake. Said on your belly you're going to crawl. You're going to eat dust all your days. And he has been consuming the dust of mankind since the fall. For the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Satan sees us as sheep for the slaughter, it says in Romans 8. And God says he cursed the serpent and God cursed the earth. He said, because you've done this, Adam, thorns, thistles, they're going to work against you where the earth would have brought forth for you. Now you're going to toil in the sweat of your brow and you're going to have thorns and thistles that will come up out of your work. My gosh. Genesis 3:17. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. This is the curse on the earth. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. And the next verse says, and by the sweat of your brow you will toil all the days of your life until you return to dust. And that is what this tent is, is dust. Thorns and thistles. When they put that crown of thorns, can I have it again? On his head, before he went to the cross and before he carried that cross, I said, God, why is that the only crown? And he said, because the king of the universe, the last Adam, was here to break the curse and to make a new creation and to make all things new. And the only crown he wore this side of the cross was thorns. But the crown that he wears now is the crown of the royal monarch of eternity, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And he is coming back with many crowns. All right. God in us is the third book. God near us, the law and the prophets. God with us, Jesus manifested, all God, all man, had to go to the cross, had to be the kinsman redeemer. He had to fulfill the law. He had to obey his own word and be qualified to be the lamb of God that would take away our sin and forgive us and bring us into and translate us into his kingdom and out of darkness. Are you with me? You know this. This is just a wrap up. <laughs> Ouch. It's good, though, isn't it? It's good. God in us. God in us. He says, you're going to have sorrow. Oh, you're going to be so sorrowful when I die. They didn't get it. But then there will be such rejoicing. Like a woman that's just had a child. She's just gone through hell and back. He didn't say that. I did. I had three babies. They were all natural childbirths. And Jim was even near me. I'd say, don't you touch me. I don't ever want you to touch me again in the middle of labor. How many girls can testify? However, once that child is born, it's like it's erased. It's like it never happened. It's like you can't wait to be with your husband again. Let's have a bunch. Let's have a tribe. And that's what Jesus said, as you were sorrowful, sorrowful at my cross, you will rejoice like a woman that's just brought forth her son. In other words, what's going to happen, even though it looks the worst, is going to be the very best thing. Because now, 
He had to go to the cross. He had to take the keys of death and hell. I don't need to preach an Easter message tonight. I'm wrapping this up. But Colossians chapter 1, verse 26 and 27. Can I see it? The mystery which has been hidden from the ages and from generations. Remember, this is a mystery. This was hidden. Corinthians tells us, Paul writes and said, if they'd known who he was, they would never have crucified him. It was the biggest coup d'etat of the universe. That's why sometimes God hides things for a reason. We got to dig it out. He wants us to press in. He wants us to lean forward. He wants us to search with all of our hearts, and that which is hidden is only hidden that it would be revealed. And this mystery that has been hidden from the ages has now been revealed to his saints, his church. Can I have the next one? To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is... Christ in you, the hope of glory. God was near you. God was with you. And now God is in you. He's in us. Just as he was in Adam and Eve before the fall, when death reigned and he was separated from God and he hid and he was afraid and he lost his identity and he lost his relationships and he lost creation and he lost everything that he'd been created for. God says, I am restoring all things. He said, behold, I make all things new in the book of Revelation. A new heaven and a new earth is coming. But until that fourth book and it's on its way, it is being written now. Now it's the church age. Now God has a body. Now God is in us. When Jesus died, that veil that separated man from God was ripped from the top to the bottom. And God said, you're no longer near me. I'm no longer near you. I'm going to be in you. And Jesus said, tarry in Jerusalem. Don't leave until the power of the Holy spirit comes upon you and God began his church with a holy spirit he breathed on them they were born again at the last part of John but they were filled with the holy spirit in the upper room Christ in us God near us book one God with us book two God in us book three so what does this mean this Christmas? Let's wrap it up. Let's wrap this up. Well, I mean, we just launch off from here. It means a lot. But just for you, for this Christmas, let's just hone it down to just a couple of things to think about and take with you. Well, number one, how about this? You are very expensive. You cost God everything. He paid the highest price for you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I believe I have that scripture, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. In other words, and before that, God says, don't you know you're my temple? You're where I tabernacle. I'm not with you or near you, I'm in you. I want to fill you up with me, and I want to be filled up with you. We are fused and joined together. I'm going to download my word into you when you read it. I'm going to teach you all things, Holy Spirit, because God's the Holy Spirit, 
Holy Spirit's God, third person of the Trinity. I'm going to empower you by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to give you everything you're going to need to walk the walk on this planet, to do the miracles I need you to do, to believe for the impossible, to get things done in your life so my kingdom can come. I will fully equip you because I'm not near you or with you. I am in you. And you cost me everything. So remember you're expensive. Remember you don't belong to yourself. When the devil tells you you are nothing and you're old and you're ugly or you're fat or you're skinny or you're stupid or you're poor or nobody likes you, who gives a rip? God's in you. He paid for you. You're everything to him and he needs to be everything to you. So grab a hold of that truth this Christmas. Whether it's good or bad, it doesn't matter because the next thing, just to think about as we wrap this up, is that God poured his love into our hearts. His nature is agape. It's how he rules everything. It's the royal law of the kingdom. And it's who he is. It says in Romans 5 that God has poured his love, his agape, into our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. In other words, you've got a new nature. You are love beings. You are wall-to-wall love. Yes, just look at yourself and just go, I'm a love person. <laughs> agape is far more than the world can understand. But God says, because I've loved you, now I need you to go out and love unconditionally, without restraint. Love as if you've never been hurt. I know that's kind of a slang, but it's true. Yeah, you've been hurt. Yeah, people, listen, people are going to step all over you and make you crazy. And if you ask God for more love, he's going to say, oh, I've been waiting for you to ask that. And he's going to send the worst of the worst and the most irregular people into your life and say, this is how we learn. So don't be shocked when you go to Christmas with your family and they're all goofballs. How about this? How about no judgment? Love unconditionally, not because they're right, because they're not. They're crazy. But they think you're crazy. But that's okay. You're with crazies for a while. You know what? Be a Jesus magnet. You know, the sinners and the publicans and the whores could be with Jesus, and he was like a whore magnet. That probably didn't sound right, did it? Anyway, you know what I mean. Right? I mean, Matthew, the tax collector, said, you know, and, and they were mad at him because Jesus had dinner with him and, and all of his friends, and I guess they were, you know, who knows? They were just bad people, according to the Pharisees and the religious people. Well, guess what? God loves bad people. He loves screw-ups. As a matter of fact, it says that he chose the weak and the foolish of this world to confound the wise. He chose deliberately people that aren't going to be that impressive. Here's one right here. My husband, if he was here, he'd be telling you the same thing. He chose two of the goofiest, screwiest, goofball, offset mess-ups in the world to build this church. Now, don't ask me what he saw in us, but somehow he did, and he got something done. If he can use us, he can use you. So don't judge. How about when you go to your families, you just turn, you leave the judgment at home. Just leave it. Just lock it up in the closet and say, you're not coming with me, okay? Because God loves people. What, he doesn't know they're not messed up? He knows they're going to drink too much. How about you be the designated driver? Listen, you can always find dirt. There's a gold mine story about Carnegie, whose grandfather was a gold miner. Carnegie told the story of his great-grandfather, his grandfather. He said, well, I've learned, because he asked, how come so many people are successful with you? 
Carnegie said, it's because I've learned the gold rule. What's that? He says, well, my grandfather's a gold miner. I know it takes tons of dirt that we have to sift through, that we have to remove. It's hard work to find that little bit of gold. But we're not looking for the dirt. We're looking for the gold. How about if you look for the gold in your families, in your friends, in the people that you work with? Look for the gold. So remember you're expensive. Walk worthy. He bought you. Love unconditionally, without judgment. Leave it at home, lock it in a closet, and look for the gold and not the dirt. And here's the last one, and I'm done. Don't give your joy away. What does that mean? Well, Nehemiah said the joy of the Lord is your strength. He didn't say the joy of your circumstance, the joy of your Christmas, the joy of your job. The joy of the government, the joy of your friends, the joy of your looks, the joy of your talent, the joy of your marriage, the joy of your children. He said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's God that brings me joy. What he's done and who I am in him and who he is in me gives me courage and strength and Satan and circumstances and he sends crazy people to steal your joy. Well, God says, don't let anybody steal your joy. Jesus said, my joy I give you, that your joy may be full. It's a gift. So you know what you got to do? You're allowed to share it. Pass it around because it's infinite. But don't let anybody take it because it's been given to you and it's not there to be stolen. So what does that mean? It means bad circumstances, a bad a bad attitude, a bad experience, a sorrow, whatever. You know how we are. We're emotional beings, guy. I can be up and down. It's like, God, are you bipolar? Probably. I think we all are a little. <sighs> Don't let anything or anyone steal that joy. Don't let it rob you of the day, rob you of the hour rob you of what God's called you to do because it was given to you to keep and share, but not given to take away. It's God's joy. So kids, here we are. The book review, book one, God near us. Book two, God with us, Emmanuel. Book three, God in us, the resurrection. What does it mean to us? Well, you're expensive. Remember, you're worth it. He thought you were. Act like it. Number two, Leave the judgment at home, love unconditionally, and look for the gold. Number three, don't let anybody take your joy. It's been given to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.